Hello, welcome to Haunted Picture Palace. This is a podcast where myself, who is Amelia, and this person, who is Ben... Watcher. ...from 1952... Go. ...talk about... and Australia, talk about films that we made each other watch that are on the haunted side. Indeed. Strike me pink. It's spooky season, we've been a little lax on keeping up weekly, but you're going to have to deal with it, because I am a professional tarot reader, and this really is my busiest time of the year, followed only by January. New year, new you. (laughs) Today we are speaking about The Invisible Man from 1933. No doubt you would have seen this memed to high heaven in in every single cartoon and film and video reference you can imagine all the way throughout time since this film came out. Yeah, if you say to somebody, what does the Invisible Man look like? Obviously it's a trick question, you can see it doesn't look like anything you can see through him, but if you say well, you know, how does he manifest in the world? He's wearing bandages on his head, dark glasses and a dressing gown usually for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least often. Certainly even in... um... Oh, I almost always see him depicted in looking like a kind of spy jacket with the collar up and the hat oh right yes so actually i think my one that i'm hearing about there is the later one yeah but there's certainly an element of this here you know there's an element of this design through even through into that i'm thinking of the terrible league of extraordinary gentlemen movie from the late 90s (laughs) where the invisible man is very much out of the out of this mold that Um, is a film that didn't need to exist yeah (laughs) should we crack straight on any content warnings you want to add? No, I mean it's it's a it's a nineteen thirty three picture. Um, I'm gonna add. <laughs> I'm gonna add unnecessary baby harm, and I suppose screaming. There is a fair amount of. If like, you're not into screaming, <laughs> this film contains copious amounts of Una O'Connor. Yes. Please handle it with is care. Definitely a problem, but I imagine John Waters to be a huge fan. <laughs> so, cracking on? Question mark. Yeah, crack on. Yeah. <laughs> I really love the old Universal Picture model work. Just saying. oh, the, it the always logo. makes me happy. Yeah, yeah with the little yeah. plane going around, like yeah. they don't have the plane anymore. It's a very Dickens novel opening. It's that kind of left in the cold. It reminds me of the beginning of Great Expectations, actually. Sure. With Pip in the snow. Indeed, and it is marketed as H.G. Wells's The Invisible Man. Yes, right? and so... that makes sense because we are still Bram Stoker's Dracula ring around that time yeah. and things like that. Yeah, or certainly it will be on the promo because people would have read it. <laughs> yeah, it was eighteen ninety seven. The book came out. Yeah, so it's not that. It's in long living ago. memory. Yes. Yeah, H.G. Wells was still around and had approval on the script apparently, which is um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's weird, isn't it? But it's to make it. It also makes it a literary adaptation. It gives it a little bit of kudos, a little bit of that yes. gravitas. It really struck me as well how I know he's the main character, but how large they make the letters for Claude Rains and how he appears at the beginning despite being an unknown at that yes, point. Yes, because right, he is the main character and you know, years later than this he's the best character in Casablanca, right? Captain Captain oh, Reno. Of course, yes. So you know, is assured immortality for that but was completely unknown at the time. Yeah, and a, what, a theatre actor? Yeah. Absolutely poor as they come. About fifteenth choice or something for this yeah. role. But yeah. um but yeah, you're right. Name above the title. 
And it, it yeah, made him. It made his career. Yeah. Did you hear about Mrs. Mason's little Willie? <laughs> I understood that little Willie got sucked up by some firemen or something. Something unbelievably strange. <laughs> it feels like we caught a snippet of cast conversation that they were just like, ah, leave it in. On well, the thing is... <laughs> James Whale was the director of this. Mm. We'll, we'll talk about him more at length later on. But the important thing here was that James Whale was from England. Yes. And so was uh, R.C. Sheriff, who did the adaptation, who did the script screenplay. Yep. So presumably they knew what England was like. And then... <laughs> I had the strangest notion that there were several glimmers of people trying to do Welsh accents. And I wondered Maybe. if they had set it in a small Welsh village and had no idea what that was like. Yeah. At that point in time, they still had signs in the other language and nothing else. In They had signs uh, in Welsh and nothing else. So yeah, it would have maybe. been this weird mystery land where you could get away with running from London, for example, yeah. to the Welsh countryside. I still don't believe that like two grown adults thought that a British <laughs> pub would be like that in you know roughly 1932. If I mean, helps, everybody I applauds the piano player. That's just not... I don't think they are. What I got from this was something that's a really interesting trope I've noticed in a few of these sort of, actually between the 30s and the f- to the 50s, mm-hmm. I would say, even with war in the way, the way that small villages are categorised is really fascinating. No one's ever clever. Mm-hmm. No one's ever clever. And this, this kind of banter thing happens in every single film. There's always a pianist. Yeah. There's never a folk band, which is what you'd actually find there. Yeah. There's never like a violinist and a and a sort of or a viola player and a loud man. There's there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's consistently this kind of honky tonk pianist, despite it being in the middle of. Well, it's what it is. It's knees up, mother brown. It's the yes. it's your Cockney yes. pub, but they've just transplanted it exactly to, to <laughs> rural rural Wales. He travels a lot. That guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, One of my favourite of those. It's a bit of a digression but but humor me one of my favorite of those is in the 60s hammer pictures where every hammer film has a pub in it pretty well yeah Yeah. and in a couple of the ones the sort of later ones where they're trying to get like down with the kids and be groovy you Mm. have but you still have the piano sing-along in the pub where like a bunch of sort of young folk who are all 30 of their a day, yeah. are all standing around doing the Lambeth Walk. You know, marvellous. I'm sure we'll come to one well, of Well, actually, even having said all of this, mm-hmm. we saw that... I was going to say that awful film that doesn't sound good. The one where, from the 30s, where that guy was just flipping terrorised by that ghost couple. What was it called? We covered it. Uh, Topper. Topper. <laughs> where is that from? That's English. She spends a lot of time going, darling, stop it. Yeah, it's an American film, though. I mean, I think oh, it's, set in, it's set in England, I think. Because they but, also um, have the Cockney pianist, but he happens yeah, to be yeah. famous and he releases <laughs> oh, one of the songs. Oh, it's Hoagie Carmichael, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not set in England at all. What am I talking about? It's just got some English actors in it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> We've done a whole episode on that one. I know. It was a long time ago. Let's carry on with our lives. I then put. Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making myself laugh. One, I want most of the furniture in this bar. Right. Um, it's just beautiful. It's very, very twenties because that's supposed to be old fashioned because they're in an old fashioned pub. Sure, so, and we're only very early thirties as well. That's what I mean. So, yeah. but that's that's as far as they've got. Yes. But it's a, an yeah, old fashioned exactly. pub, so it's from last last decade. Yeah. Um, it does have the Victorian bits to the structure of it, i.e., having your own drawing room in your inn. Yeah. For each 
you know, it's not a big enough place, really. No, no, the sets don't make sense. No, but, but it, they don't need to. We're no, ignoring it. it. And it <laughs> also has the sense, I find, from that kind of setup, that that gives it the sense of a novel written in the time this was written. Where right. it's like, it kind of crosses over. It's like, uh, how do I want to put it? It's a bit like, this is so convoluted, when they, when there's an adaptation of a book from the 60s, Mm-hmm. That's set now. Yeah. But the set, as in all the furniture, because it's meant to be a grubby old place, is all 80s. Right. Okay. You wow. know, 80s okay, and covered in grime. Does that yes. make sense? Yeah, I think so. That is complicated. You're right. Yes. But I've... Worked it out. Yeah, but I've followed you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Invisible One is born in a barn. <laughs> well, I love this shot. Mm. When, he, when he enters the room and the, you know, all of the... Much like in our previous film, yeah. <laughs> when the stranger enters the barrel, conversation <laughs> ceases. We yeah. get that three shot, I guess, where we get a long shot, medium shot, close up. Yes, of, that's true. Of the Invisible Man's bandaged face. Yes. And he's got that sort of slightly comic book villain angle on him as well, you know. Yes, but he's also not hes not visibly bandaged at that point because they comment on the bandages later. Oh, yeah, of course. He's, he's actually got a fake nose, glasses, and his collar up and his hat on. Yeah, and a so, scarf, I think, as well. Because it's, well, yeah. it's a cold, cold night. And he blows in with the snow. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, it's already enough that he's let the cold in, if you like. Yeah. But then to also be a sinister person with a... <laughs> A doctor bag is yes. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Born in a barn's a good, uh, good note. He is yeah. imperious, isn't he? You know, he does no, no time for any of these people. No, because we've already witnessed how dumb they are. They're dumb dumbs. Yeah. They're meant to be country dumpkins. And I did that on purpose. I know what the real word is. Thank you. <laughs> the. Sorry. <laughs> Don't write in. Don't write in. I won't answer. Uh, yes, born in a barn. It always infuriates me, but I I get it for the for the purposes of this. He is actually supposed to be a little bit um, of a poop. Yeah. <laughs> Technical term. And then I put character actors abound, and then I put lol. So many of them, they just kept coming. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were going to have one kind of over the top camp screamer. The whole and pub we actually... is full of grotesques. <laughs> it is. It just made me wonder. You know, when I said it sounded like we were overhearing the cast, it made me wonder if that was just. The auditions for character actor, and they were like, "Yeah, get them all in." Yeah, or whether the beer was real and they'd been shooting for a long time. Yeah. Everyone had been <laughs> knocking back Negronis until they didn't know but what they were doing. They're all over fifty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> knocking back Negronis. Negronis. Probably not. That was, that was a real thing that happened to some friends of mine. Um, Everyone looked like they'd been hit on the head with a hammer. Oh, <laughs> poor, poor Negroni lovers. I said, was this a cameo from every single bit actor at the same at that time? And actually, yeah. I think it probably was. It feels like one of those scenes. We don't really get them much now, but certainly in the noughties, we would have had it that you'd do a camera pan in Austin Powers and see everybody <laughs> yeah. that had ever been in a film. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it makes sense. Well, these are people that. The directors worked with before. I suppose this is we're in it's Universal Pictures, so we're in the era of the sort of big studios and contract players. So yeah. these would be so every studio in Universal. Yeah. I say every there was only like four big ones, but you know, it's such a weird time in cinema when you're tied to a to yeah. a company like that. Yeah, you can't make it. Well, if you, you know, you can if you're lucky and they loan you out. But if they if your bosses but have then other they plans can just for recall you. you and ruin the whole picture. I know it's just crazy. It's weird politics that had to go on, and a lot obviously a lot of sexual assault. But you know, like plenty of of drug taking and and mm. 
strategic meetings and pairings and also like it it was like royalty it yeah. was like old school royalty sure that's the level of power celeb. that these guys yeah. the, the, the studio heads had but it would mean that they had a fairly large rolodex of like of character actors that they could just call up and yeah bring them in yeah i said down where with that accent <laughs> we don't get a lot down here <laughs> yeah. where are you well the, there is i'm trying to remember because there is the opening shot of the invisible oh, man in the are? snow he does go past a oh, sign we've gone mad with tired you realize <laughs> guess where it's set we found out Eating. <laughs> thanks google lady <laughs> it's a small village in sussex I mean, Chichester district. Is it like let's be honest here. This is not no, I'll, I mean, bleep, no, I'll bleep that. No, but I'm I'm thrilled that I found out and that that's where that's supposed to be because yeah. I d I mean I've never met anyone from Sussex that sounds like any of them. <laughs> I've met anyone that sounds like any of them from anywhere. <laughs> My note here is that Una O'Connor playing the excitable landlady of this pub. Who needs a slap, yes. Is amazed at the idea of a room and a fire, which is what he wants. Given okay. And a fire, a room and a fire, <laughs> which it is properly like trying to negotiate an emu that's learnt to speak. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't deal with it. And I was, and you know, to me, sitting here watching it in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Even for the thirties, in on a cold rainy night, on in uh, to uh, well snowy night, yeah. stormy night. To like an inn somewhere. Yeah. Like a request of a room and a fire doesn't seem unreasonable. But what do I know? No, some of it was the time of it though. Like um, you know, it's at this hour. You know, it's meant to be that they've all been absolutely rat bummed. <laughs> sure, um, rat bummed. And been up for hours just drinking. And she does say we don't usually have rooms available at this time of year. Yeah. Um, so it could be that it's you know it does look inhospitable. Well, it's out of so, season. We'll put yes, it that way. There's not going to be that many holiday makers. One assumes. Mm, no but uh, but yeah, she's amazed at this idea. <laughs> she's amazed and and frightened of everything though. So I just I feel like it's I don't know. She she stays at eleven. We'll put it that. Oh, way. Oh yes. Yeah. I like her, but she stays at eleven. <laughs> well, the director liked her, right? I also said she's touched everything but done nothing. <laughs> Walks around the room flap, she eventually flap. gives him and sort of just touches everything. Normally that kind of action would be either off screen or she'd have her back to the camera. But because we are brand spanking new to the world of cinema still at this point, we haven't quite mastered that sort of stuff. So she does the theatre thing where from a distance in the theatre, yeah. you absolutely wouldn't notice that she would just sort of pretend touched a sofa. You know, you'd be like, yeah. oh, she's doing housework. Yeah. <laughs> but she, She's not. Yeah, but yes, it doesn't work under the remorseless eye of the camera. No. It's a bit of business as well, isn't it? You know, actors love to have a bit of business to do. with the, If they can try and upstage the other actors, that's good. They like that. Oh, true. True. <laughs> um, Claude Rains' voice and presence are amazing. So I do want to put in here the stuff about... We watched the documentary that came with the Blu-ray of... We did indeed. Invisible Man. 1933. Yep. And everybody's gushing about it. It's really nicely put together. If you can find it, it's half an hour of your time. It's quite interesting. We're probably going to tell you most of what you'll find on there anyway. But yeah, that's true. But um... it's worth it's worth it to see people really talking about it, and to see Claude Rains's daughter be yeah. very cute. But 
one of the things that was said that was that he was uh, he did a show reel or a, what what's it called like a test screen test for yes the one yes exactly another thing he was previously a theatre actor and did this little turn and it was awful <laughs> it was terribly acted <laughs> he had a broad Cockney accent so much so that his own daughter couldn't fully understand him when he did impressions of himself younger <laughs> he was sort of just untrained and quite. Well, he was untrained for the screen. He was a probably yes. a decent theatre actor, or you Absolutely. know, yeah, you know, yeah. He he's very but he's it, very good here. But it did something. It did something to my brain to find that he came from abject poverty, like mm. proper real East London poor, because of his presence here. Yeah, because his presence denotes something that's like this kind of people that are just born into money and assume everything should go for them. That, yeah. that presence. Yeah. He's acting beautifully. And we just don't know anything his... about him yet, no. really, uh, this character. No, um, no, you but know, this We is assume why... we've seen the title card. We assume there's... we have an idea there's a reason he's muffled up, but yeah. nothing beyond that. But he was hired for his voice by the director, by James Whale. Yeah, and it is an extraordinary voice. It is, and he was like... And the, the, the other people making the film with him were like... He's a terrible actor. Please leave him alone. He was like, doesn't matter as long as he's got that voice. Like, that's yeah. what I was looking for. So I love that. I love yeah. that detail. Fashion trends. I had a, I had a question here mm-hmm. about when did we decide... So maids are like a point of comedy. Yes. Throughout film history. Yeah, and before. There's plenty of French stage things where they run Loads. around. Loads where they run around and like um, importance of being earnest. Every, everybody's got yeah. made. I want to know when the fashion changed or how it changed from sexy maid, like naughty French maid who has intercourse with everyone that stays at the hotel. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, a landlord's daughter. Um, sure. Trope. To bumbling gets everything wrong. Maid drops everything. I don't know, boobs fall out, something. Right. Or she, she, she's usually overweight and usually falls over something and there's a novelty moment where she's like wearing very big pants. It's that kind sure, of... Sure, and often they'll have set her up beforehand as the first type of maid and then you meet her and she's exactly. the, actually the second type of maid. Exactly. Like, oh, you want to meet Greta? And they're all like, yeah, Greta, yeah. we love Greta. And then this is Greta very turns regressive, up. isn't it? She has a single zit and therefore it's the worst thing we've ever seen. Sure. Or we have hyper-neurotic... Like busybody maid, and right. this is clearly where what we're going for here is hyperneurotic busybody maid. Yeah, she is land landlord's wife, but you know, yes, yeah. we're a family business. <laughs> the daughter is bumbling; she's bumbling and unattractive maid. Uh huh. You know the other one. The other one. Oh, hang on. There's a young one. Yes, yes, the one who doesn't take the mustard up in time. Yeah, she's just sitting around. She's just having a seat, looking at the wall. Yeah. Forgot what she was doing. Several times she's carrying the wrong thing. You know, she's the bumbling one. Yes. But we have this neurotic one. And I just wonder if that's taste of the act of the director, rather, or if that's actually to do with the trends of the time. That's where I was going with it. It's a good question. It tends to be that the older people are neurotic, mm-hmm. like the old lady one, mainly because they were alive in Victorian times, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. They've probably been being a maid <laughs> since you had to wear black. <laughs> And we even see it in the things we've covered that are from the 60s. They have this trope of yeah. the matronly maid. Oh, definitely. 
I don't know the answer to this. Mm. The thing that it spins off into for me is that this is an oddly very sexless film. We're not. It's not the sort of film where we're going to have a sexy maid. Whoa, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> we're going to talk about that. All right. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Because <laughs> I know you love to get sex into all of our episodes, and I can help with this one. Thank you. <clears throat> so then I put, he's so gorgeous and he's so scary. Who's this in reference to? The Invisible Man. Right. Uh, in the credits known as The Invisible One. The Invisible One. Yes, yes. very nice. And yes. I think that's in the credits so that we don't know if it's a man or a woman at first until he speaks. That's a good point. Well made. Yeah. Yes, I've just got him down as he's Tim in all my notes, which is an acronym for The Invisible Man. That's nice. Okay, Tim. Uh. <laughs> and it's because he does a little loom. He gets a little chance to loom. He doesn't go too wild at that point. Mm-hmm. But he's still a presence to be feared, and he's still up to something. I, my note on him is he's rude as is possible to be while still being civil. Yes, definitely. Yes. Well, he's Dr. Rude. Yes, exactly. Flora. We're introduced to Flora, who's the love oh, yeah. interest. Uh, she is Flower. She's <laughs> his... She's the Invisible Man's boss's daughter. But the boss, yeah. obviously, is, is, a, is another doctor. So we find out he's a professor... Everybody's a doctor of some sort. It's an ambiguous doctor. Doctorate. I mean, it's a hell of a laboratory he's got there as well. You it know, is. I mean, it's presumably in their big country house somewhere so, in England that everybody has. <laughs> We're probably a doctor of laboratories. Yes. I put that she's an absolute vintage hottie. She could be related to Alicia Silverstone or Gillian Anderson. Ooh. So very interesting when you find out who she actually is, because she's quite an on-trend person with those people I've listed. Oh, Does that make sense? I, can you elaborate on that? I'm going to give bit? the audience just like a two-beat pause to guess where they've seen this lady as an old lady. Because you will have done, even if you're not, you know... Definitely so, will have done. You, you, will have, you will know her old in a heartbeat. Did you check? <laughs> um, she's only the bloody one from... She's Rose Old in Titanic. She's Old Rose. That's wild. Yeah. You might know her from such great lines as, oh, when she chucks the heart of the ocean back in. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, did I get you? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, that blew my tiny mind, but she's incredibly beautiful. I put, lol, she nearly acted. They, <laughs> they really didn't get good lines at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of leading lady. We had Ben's... Honestly, Ben has had me watching some incredible stuff where you get these, and I love this word, blousy. Blousy <laughs> reporter gals who are all plucky and stuff and full of sort of lesbian lines that are not actually <laughs> lesbian, but they're called that because it's the 20s and they're mean to men. Yeah. I, the thing is, like, yeah, at Cards on the Table, I love 30s cinema. You have yeah. this decade where in 10 years you go from silent films to yeah. Technicolor. Yes. Right? And oh, it just, mad. so much happens in such a short space of time. That yeah. it, and it all comes online and comes on running yep. extremely quickly. Yep. Let's say we're 1933 here, so this is two, th- three years. I mean, we have some experiments in talking pictures at the end of the 20s. You know, there were yep. a couple of things in 1929 that were shot either partially yep. in with, with talky bits or or entirely. But it's really sort of 1930 is really sort of year zero for like the wide implementation of the talking picture. Yeah. And then within, yeah, three years, three years later, you have things like this where everything is in place. Nobody is mm-hmm. doing, I mean, there are 
some actors are doing better than others, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, but, I'd agree. But, but it isn't full of people doing the stereotypical stuff and the stuff that you do get in films from 1930, 1931. Well, where I they're find trying Flora to get to the does a bit. She, a little bit, but it's not... It's not the shouting to the back of the stage thing. It's yeah. the swooning and overly expressive actions that you would only need if you were silent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's no, still fair. got overhangs. But it, I think that's why I said, lol, she nearly acted. She does spend <laughs> a lot of time in this register up here. <laughs> and it's it's quite, um, it's a lot. It's a yes. lot for our mic and it's a lot for watching especially following on from the scenes with una o'connor exactly it's it's i mean if your dog is listening <laughs> like you're gonna be in trouble gloria stewart we should credit the, oh, the actress yes, sorry. That's, gloria um, stewart. Yes, yeah, yes, old yes. rose and young flora <laughs> two flowers there bookending her career oh that's really troubling <laughs> isn't it I wondered, oh, and I was wondering what colours her dress were. I couldn't actually find any... Oh, I haven't seen any colour pictures from... No, me neither. Mm. Uh, it's quite beautiful. Like, it's yeah. in panels and it's very nicely made. There's no... It moves in a really odd way. So 20s twenties to 30s had this little bit where we were like, we could, we could make fabric move on dresses because <laughs> we'd had a lot of the very staid stuff that was still overhang from... 1910s which is very straight up straight down yep those things that kind of <laughs> sort of weirdly make you look pregnant and quite unwell at the same time <laughs> like they, they they look a bit like you are uh, bloated but from the boobs down and then we just forget you have boobs and we starve because we are uh in oh, the old recession. Art, art deco clean lines business absolutely as well, clean though, right? lines but it's clean lines but it's it's a lot more i would say about trying to make poverty on trend in some way or to give something that the the public will want and part of what the public are experiencing is a lack of food <laughs> so you make everybody i mean what year is recession that, that well, th- um, well 33 i mean gold diggers of 1933 is the text i would point you towards here right? yeah. we're talking about movies with these sort of blousy female characters yeah. and it's full of them but they're but the main characters in that are three chorus girls who cannot haven't they got can't a eat. bean they're, they're mm. so hungry and i think one of them even says something at one point about like it being handy for the dresses and stuff. That, that yes, that they, they can't. can't exactly. Yeah. So with the 30s, you get the kind of um, stereotypical flapper. With uh, Not quite with your... I mean, we won't go into dress history right now, but <laughs> not quite with your uh, little curl of hair that we've all known and loved and all of that. We are still in finger wave territory through and through. Right. But as in, you know, the ones that are like a wave that's gelled to the... I do, yes. A wave that's gel, gelled to the hair. But all the fabric has movement. So even if you're not flapping, you are chiffoning hard. <laughs> you know, you are floating. And the dress, the, uh, sorry, the dance styles of the time, you've got things like the Charleston, which is all movement mm-hmm. of the clothing. The clothing adds to it. Sure. But you've got things like Viennese waltz, you know, that right. are really big and in fashion. Yeah. So they, that is lots of sweeping, lots of lifting... Lots of stuff okay. where the fabric moves around your male partner. Well, I'll tell you what, this means we're coming back, the, the 1890s are coming back around again, right? And this mm. is the time of bustles as well, so this is the last time we have like, moving fabric. And the 1890s is when this text is Ooh, from. Very nice, so yes. So it's nice that things are coming around a bit. Yeah, very nice. <sighs> I would love to fold in. I, I would, I'd sometimes, you know when I say to you I just need a good cry? Yeah. And then it takes me like, two to five months to get that good cry because oh. <laughs> <laughs> i've got lots of issues go to therapy it's great 
I could really do with like a fold in half fainting couch cry. Oh yeah. There's nothing quite like it. She's very highly strung, isn't she? That's but my the note full here. fold in half yeah. is admirable. Mm-hmm. It shows that she's young and flexible. Yep. But also that her grief is so great, her spine just is like the last concern. Yeah, she's she's pure in heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why have I said this? Oh, so I really like this next scene. Do you have stuff to say yet? I'm not sure. What's the next scene you're going to talk the about? The next scene I was going to talk about is is the Invisible Man's mad scientist breakdown where he's going, you should be able to... You can go back, you fool, to himself. All oh, right, yes. Well, I think the previous scene is back in Dr. Exposition's lab where they're talking about <laughs> well, what happened to um, what happened to, to young Griffin, and they're saying, oh, well, he did secret experiments, as you know. <laughs> yes, as <laughs> well you know. Exactly. He was definitely looking at this locked cabinet, as you'll remember. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, he says that, no, he's saying that to the girl. That's yeah. what makes her fold in half and cry. Yes. Is her going, I knew he had secrets, and him going, <laughs> he did have secrets, remember? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, so, you, so please carry on. And then we on. have... <laughs> Then we have the Invisible Man floating about on his own. He's fully <laughs> wrapped and all the rest of it. You know, so he's not done his unwrap reveal yet. No, we do get that little scene when the landlady brings the mustard up and he hasn't got he, a jaw, but he amazing. immediately covers himself up with the napkin. I say he hasn't got a jaw. Of course, he has got a jaw. It's invisible. It's invisible. Clues in the name. It's not the jawless man. But we, So they, they flash us with that and we get a wonderful film. little... Um, we get a wonderful profile view of him where you can see right through his jaw. Yes, but we haven't, and it's it's nice because we've already you know we, we mentioned that he's invisible. That makes sense, but mm-hmm. it still teases with it. You know, yeah. you get a little, you get a little, you draw back the curtain a little bit, but we haven't had the full reveal, as you say. Mm-hmm. He's talking about there's a way back, you fool. He's chatting to himself in the hotel room, pacing mm-hmm. up and down. He's definitely set it all up like a big laboratory in there. And is trying desperately to find an antidote to invisibility. We assume. Yeah. What's her name? Una bursts in. Yes. Una O'Connor, I can't remember her character's name. We don't. Land, we, we never need to know. Landlady. Yes. Screamer. <laughs> walks in. Makes Walks in with tea, basically saying tea's at one. Yeah, she's. In a, it seems, my the implication I take from this is that he's been there for a little while. Yes. And he's not... A very good house guest. No, he's also not paying his rent on time, which yeah. I think would be the only thing that would get either of them annoyed, either the <laughs> landlady or the landlord. And on top of that, he's rude. So, I've put, I have a secret, please go away, I need to be alone, picks a public house for his new job. For his new lab. Yeah, that's a good point well made. Like, you could have gone anywhere. You yeah. literally could have rented a whole house. Yeah, yeah. You didn't, though. No, <laughs> he went to this pub with, like, the no- the nosiest... Publican. I can't imagine why he, he went, went to like the local tourist information board place and said, "Like, give me a. Is there somewhere where there's a real busybody who won't leave me alone? I want that one." Yeah. <laughs> so he accident. He shuts the door in her face. Mm-hmm. He's very good at acting just in bandages. His body language is already threatening, but he's basically like, "Get out! Get out!" Like the beast from Beauty and the Beast. No. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. If you. Could... I said, "Don't go into the yeah. west way." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> does all this even though it's not his house and she comes downstairs and says to the landlord who's clearly a drunk and a coward <laughs> in seconds we find out he's a drunk and a coward yeah um go up and sort him 
So when the Invisible Man closes the door on Una, uh, he hits the tray, I yeah. think, and it kind of goes flying, and she's like, he struck me. <laughs> <laughs> and he says he swore at me. Yes. I think he just says, go away. <laughs> mm, yes, but I've noticed that a lot in old films, and I think that swearing at you might be not using swear words. I think it might be cursing you. As in right, okay, yes, that makes sense. Yes, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, yes, it, it did seem unlikely that he was going to start effing and jeffing all over the I place. I would have loved that! <laughs> Especially if they like had the crashes of the tray to be each time yes, that every... he was swearing. Yeah. Um, so this guy goes up and has some amazing stunt work when he's pushed back down the stairs by a very angry, invisible man. It's a nice bit of camera work as well, because yeah. we... We're in because yes, the Invisible Man has the room at the top of the stairs, and then at the bottom of the stairs is a couple of doors to the bar and kitchen yeah. or something. And we get a shot from above, looking down as he tumbles down, and, and and we stay on that shot so that he's sort of lying on the floor a long way away from us. It really, sort of amplifies the distance. He's yeah, falling. it's really nice. It's just a nice little bit of work. PC Plod is back in an incredible <laughs> wool coat, but this is PC Plod from every film like this, who is always from the same part of London. <laughs> yeah, even okay. even in wherever we are. What's this? Uh, um, I've, yeah, I've said Akak, which is all coppers are caricatures. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I then said the screaming is very surreal. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I will say one thing we missed from that guy being at the foot of the stairs is my favourite line from the whole film I think what was that? oh he's done me in oh yes I love that (laughs) and and I'm sure these things are put in, like, like these are intentional comedy yes, moments. Yes, sure, I'm with certain. James Whale, yeah. I, I very much enjoy, like, their, this is the first time he does it, but he does it a few more times as well, in the landlord's conversation with the Invisible Man. Yeah. When the Invisible Man starts wheedling and saying, I have a, I've been disfigured, it's, it's vitally important it's so that I yeah. have to be left alone to, to sort this, this out. I, I, and then as soon as he realises it's not working, he just... Just drops it and, yeah. and, and, and yeah, punches, punches, you know, kicks him out of the room and throws him down he the stairs. He only tries to reason with the man. He doesn't try and reason with the woman, and that's interesting. Yeah, it makes sense for the time, but also like he's much gentler with the man. Yes, well, well again, not just for the time. It also makes sense for his character because he's you know a True. man of science, and all the men around him in the laboratory and men, manly men together, and he feels Touching like I can other. do some um, like yeah. oh yeah, I can do you know we, we can. We can talk mano a mano, you know, without all yeah. these silly women here. Which, we'll put a pin in that as well for the old gender roles <laughs> and the sexiness t- chat that we're going to have later. Mm. Oh, so excited. Look forward to. Mm. So he comes downstairs, he's like, is this what you wanted to look at? Well, he doesn't actually, he's in his room. He says, is this what you wanted? And then starts unravelling. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? He throws his nose saying, that's a little gift for you uh, and that's his fake nose he's been wearing the whole time and then unwraps himself he takes the shades off so we see the hollows of his eyes which bt dubs is about the level of special effects in the mummy uh, some yeah. dozen years later <laughs> and then it's wonderful yeah seeing him, unravel. seeing him undo the bandages it looks great yeah I mean, really good yeah we know how they did it but like, I've tell them how you did it. How I've, they did it. I've seen that. Yes, sorry, fair enough. Well, I've well, you know, I'm gonna build the build the oh, mystique. Okay. But I, like, I've genuinely seen this done worse. Yes. Like decades later. Last in, year. In 
like big productions, you yeah. know? The special effects team here and the work that they're doing is, yeah. is extraordinary. So it's it's a mixture of 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 things, of ways that they do the ways that they do this these shots. Yeah. But fundamentally you wrap your actor in black velvet you do and shoot him on a black background yes for compositing him into the scene so this was very new technology so like a decade earlier for things like the phantom carriage which we talked about before you had to do it all in camera by doing double exposures yes and things and that's not what's happening here this has been optically printed which is how they did it for years really until Colour separation overlay comes in, you know, in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you have a fifty-year run, I suppose, or forty-year run, anyway, of this sort of thing. So you shoot the, you shoot the rest of the scene without the Invisible Man. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then you shoot Claude Rains with his black velvet get-up. Yeah. And then you put him in. Yeah. But but there are a few bits where he interacts with the scenery okay. and he goes behind yes. chairs and stuff, and presumably. It's painted in. They had to do it frame by frame, yeah. manually, and it looks incredible. It's, it's so brilliant. smooth. There's yeah. the, there's not a single bit where you're. It's it's amazing. And we talked about say having the Blu-ray of this. Like if you get a chance to see this in a restored print, wherever you can get it. I don't know what's on the streaming sites, mm-hmm. but, but take it because if you can see this clear and looking sharp, yeah, it makes a big difference because. If you're sort of struggling through a VHS grain haze to see what's going on, it can be less engaging. Yeah, then, I think so. Yeah, but even cleaned up and sharp as we saw them, you know, these shots look great. Yeah. Look, he's all eaten away. <laughs> that was a really good impression. Oh, it's yeah, mm. like he's in the room. Mm. I really enjoy the line, he's invisible, that's what's the matter with him, as well. Yeah, I mean... What's the matter with him? Oh, he's invisible. <laughs> Yeah. Sorted. Yeah. So this is the police going absolutely hog wild, this one policeman, who then calls the chief of police, and you know he's the chief of police because there are two fireman buckets with the word police written police. on them behind him um, while he answers the, the completely, <laughs> definitely just a landline to say, <laughs> yeah. hey, uh, you sound mad. Yeah. I yeah. hate this. Take more water with it, lad. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um, <laughs> But then it's interesting because we then get something sexy. Oh, okay, go on. It's not sexy yet. It's not sexy yet, I take it back. But when you think about it, that whole scene where he, where the Invisible Man, where Griffin is taking his trousers off. Yeah, he strips down. He strips down, but only to his shirt. And then he's a shirt, he's poo-bearing. Yes, yes. He's poo bearing and actually shaking himself at coppers. This is true. It's a good point. It's nuts, isn't it? The more you think about Literally it. Literally nuts. Because it should be. <laughs> it should be just this funny thing of a shirt dancing that, that distracts you. But when yeah. you really think about it. And one of the coppers says, like, how can I handcuff a shirt? <laughs> how can you handcuff a shirt? You don't want to accidentally handcuff something else. No. You can't see it. You don't know where it'll get to. <laughs> I liked. I noticed the portrait of the landlady in the background of that scene as well. Before, oh, he threw the he yeah. threw something at it. He's he is quite mad already. I will say at this point that that laugh and some of the speech patterns is apparently Mark Hamill's inspiration for his voice of the Joker. 
which you you mentioned and I I just had never thought of. But as soon as you said it, the laugh is so there. It's it's not a copy, but it's got that tone. It's It's got the same kind of level of mania to it. It's also that I noticed Claude Rains never does a voice like he's finding something funny, and that's what makes it sinister. Because I was trying to work out why it's wrong, but it would be like me talking like really normally and then just sort of stopping my sentence and then hysterically laughing. Yes, you know, and you're like, oh, something's wrong. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm in trouble. I'm in danger here. Um, lots of lovely, very beautiful rigging to make objects move once Claude Rains is completely invisible. Absolutely gorgeous. And then he goes on, <laughs> he goes on his strange rampage in the streets. Now that we know, because we've watched the documentary, that the director is a big fan of dark comedy yeah. and high camp. High camp. This is an openly gay director in the 30s. Like, you're allowed to be yes. camp when you're that. <laughs> you know, you can do what you like. You're allowed to be camp anyway, but like if you're going to do it, go hard or go home. Definitely. So this rampage includes what now, apart well, from I, the baby? I'm going to say, I've made a little bit of a... Um, you got a list? I've got a, a list, a, an incomplete list. I've got a partial okay. list. He throws an old man's hat into a pond. Lovely. The wind. Yeah. Could be the wind. Could go be on. the wind. He smashes a window and yeah. he kicks over a pram. Kicks over a pram with a baby. An occupied pram, yes, of course. Yes, yes absolutely. So we, I think he kicks away a ladder at some point. I'm think. sure there were more. i say these were just yeah. the ones that I'd got. So, oh, the bike. Oh, yeah, he pinches someone's bike what and rides off on it. It's like, what are you going to do without your bike? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Here's your blooming bicycle. Yeah, and then throws, throws it, it to him. him. So yeah. there's a real mixture of the sort of impish... And the like, out and, like real murderous. Yeah, you know he doesn't doesn't distinguish between like stealing an old man's hat and yeeting a baby, as you put it the other day. He, yes, he yeets a baby. <laughs> <laughs> ah, youth. <laughs> I will say this is when we're transported to exposition land at the laboratory. Oh yeah, fair enough. The labor- <laughs> laboratoire. Yeah. Um, laboratoire exposition. We oui. to find out that. Griffin's doctor friends. Mm-hmm. Who do we have? We have the the old guy, Doctor Cranley. Yes. But then we also have Doctor Kemp, and Doctor Kemp's the slightly younger one, who you'll need to remember for a little bit later. Yes. <laughs> doctor Kemp wants a piece of Flora, quite desperately and uh, quite grossly. Flora's. <laughs> Grieving because her weirdo partner's gone walkabouts. Yeah, he's, he's disappeared. No one he's knows where he is. He's disappeared, and the first thing Kemp does is like, "But me though, yeah. you know." Like, <laughs> I tell you, who, who hasn't disappeared <laughs> and is dashed handsome and 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 he's also a very good scientist. It's me, you know. It's me. Yeah. And she's, yeah. What is she? She says her put down's not very good because she's busy being in half and crying, but um. Yeah, it's something like, I couldn't moments. even think of it. Don't even talk like that. I can't yeah. even deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> so, probably unknown I then. I can't even. <laughs> I can't even. During exposition land, we find out that Kemp, despite <laughs> despite everybody being like, where is that man? I wonder where that man went. Has anyone seen that man? It's only now that he's like... Weirdly, yeah, I did see him like secretly standing in front of some secrets. Yeah, he was a very secretive. He had his own secret things he did that he didn't tell anybody about. Yeah. and you were fine with it, old old Doctor Cranley man. For yeah. some reason, you know, getting the daughter off your hands, she cries a lot. 
so it turns out they find a list of ingredients really like for a man who keeps a lot of secrets they just find a list yeah <laughs> i think it's in his bin or something yeah it's just sitting on top of a high shelf covered yeah. in dust i think and that could have said anything that could have said like you know milk well, it's, it's also eggs, assuming a lot lard. that it's in what because if it's collecting dust mm-hmm. it's assuming a lot that that's what's in what he's been injecting no i know with, exactly yes because that could be like <laughs> that could be Recipe number two of twenty-five. Yeah, and he sort of very early on realized it was like, this oh, didn't work monocaine's at all. rubbish. <laughs> but monocaine is on the list, and apparently monocaine is a terrible drug. Yes, that's it's my such... quote as well. A terrible drug. <laughs> it's such an imaginative. Uh, I don't know. It really the, the imagination of it really struck me. The idea that it's this. Where was it? South Asia. Yes. <laughs> somewhere uh, great. Somewhere, somewhere uh, foreign. Yes, exactly. And that. The tribes there have been using it to remove all colour for yeah. years. Anything it touches, bleaches anything. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, it, yeah, it sucks all the colour out of it. Um, but a side effect that he read in a German paper... Yeah, that th- this man just happens to... I mean, he's obviously a scientist, whatever, but like... Yeah, he was looking, about, looking at it about something else. He knows Griffin probably hasn't seen it, where it said, oh, it makes you mental. So yeah, they turned a dog white and then made the dog go crazy. Go angry. <laughs> crazy dog. The white... Then we move on. Because mm-hmm. that's a really weird, like... It feels like a kind of, um, oh, we should probably tell them what's happening scene. Yeah, and, but it doesn't, you know... It, I see why it's there, like plot-wise, narrative-wise. Totally. But it does. But I say not only do they have to realize it's it's a leap that a they find it because everything yeah. is so secretly burnt everything else. B <laughs> that that is actually in his recipe that yes, he's injected yeah. himself with, and C that another scientist there has actually read this obscure German paper yeah. that tells you about the, turning a dog mad. And I suppose you know the implied D that also like nothing else he put in it in this mixture changes the effects of that because it's not obviously yeah. going invisible and going white and not enti- not the same thing at all in any way <laughs> no but i they had to put this in there so that he couldn't just be a megalomaniac who had made himself invisible it had to be that he was a hero who's been tainted yeah you have to have some sympathy have for him yes, exactly. as a hero and flora flora's plight wouldn't make any sense i mean it would for certain type of woman but yes not at this era (laughs) not not so openly in this era i put ugh, the wide shot with that door opening is so gorgeous it's just the door opening on its it's really Mm. nicely done and it looks like there's the weight of a man there it's not like it's not like a bit of string pulling a door it's yeah like to a certain extent, all Invisible Man movies, including mm-hmm. this one and any other one you can think of, are an exercise in showing off your amazing special effects and what your team can do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, fine. But it's not just about that. No. And the best things, the little things like that, like you've just pointed up, yeah. where it's like, yeah, they've made the door open and it looks really cool, but it also... And again, the way the camera moves when it follows... The invisible man yes, around when I he's when that. he's invisible, you know. And of course, there's there's no one really there, but it gives a really good job of yep. making you, of yeah, you, your eyes follow around where he quote unquote is. Um, he's giving Doctor Kemp a visit, isn't he? Is this where he's doing that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because I put lol. He just sat naked on that man's rock. Oh chair. yes, yes. <laughs> and then I said needy house guest oh my god so he's he's Griffin is laying out what's happened he says oh I've made mm. myself invisible I know I can reverse it 
I might be a bit crackers, but I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Yeah. You just have to do all of this stuff for me. And if you don't, I'm definitely just going to strangle you with my invisible hands. Yeah. And I could be, I could be watching you at any point. Yeah. Because I'm invisible. Yeah. And crackers. Yeah. And it's also well cold. <laughs> yes. And he, the things that he lists for Kemp to get him are basically bandages, sunglasses, a robe, you Some know, pajamas. things to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's cold, he's been out and, you know, he's, presumably, again, he's been running around butt naked. Yeah, but he's basically trapped Kemp in his own home. Yeah. Kemp's quite terrifying, he doesn't get a lot of line <laughs> here, it's just lots of chances for that beautiful voice on Claude Rains to do all the work. The outfit's just incredible when it's all put together as well. The Invisible Man outfit. Oh my god. Yeah, those With glasses. the dressing gown. Yeah, just all of it together, so amazing. And here's where I want to talk about sexy. Okay, please. He is, P.S. we have a gay director. Yep. He is coming to his male, he has a girlfriend, but he's coming to his male friend's house. Frankenstein style. Yes. I know his male friend's a doctor, but then he's naked in his male friend's house. I know he's invisible, but he's sitting on his male friend's furniture. He always seems entirely comfortable totally with the nudity, fine. the totally invisible fine. nudity as well. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you might think that you'd be slightly, even if the, even if you knew that they couldn't see you, yeah. it would be weird to be sitting in the all together. Yeah. Opposite a fully clothed pal. Yes. Totally. And colleague. <laughs> and colleague. I know that's the big one for you. I know. Um, he describes the functions of his body in a kind of erotic way okay not it doesn't have to be I don't think it's meant to be in inverted commas mm-hmm. but the details are strange so you have the bit where he's like oh it's I, I you have to keep me hidden an hour after I eat because food is still there uh, yes I will say that would mean poo was always there, but we yes. won't. Well, that's the thing. I I like that they thought about Me these too. things. Me too. I don't least a like that bit. they didn't think about the rest. If you think about them too much, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. Because how also can he... implies that you always poo an hour after you eat. How can he see? You know, like because they are. You yes. see by the light hitting your eyes, or everything would go through. But say the that's food. an interesting Invisible Man film. If they go blind as the soon as they're invisible, the food stays until it's digested, yeah. and then it's part of his body. You know, if you think about it too much, it doesn't really work. But it's, it's. I still enjoy that they at least have they make gestures towards scientific credibility. Right? Yeah, and it's where we get the rules. Sure. It takes this long into the this far into the film to get the rules. It's interesting that he goes from... Oh, yes, sorry. What I wanted to say was that he's an intimidating figure, but he's very sharply dressed. (laughs) He's in his friend's pyjamas and gown. He's not chosen a suit. I know he might be going to bed, but like he's only in the clothes for the comfort of that guy. And because he's chilly, you could literally have anything. Yeah. And then sleep naked under a load of duvets. But he chooses to have the nightwear of his male friend. Yes. And then all of that combined... He's never sexual with the woman, ever. No. But he changes everything to we really quickly. Like, we begin our reign of terror. Like it's, Yes, it's, I must have a, a companion. I must have yeah, a, a visible companion. Yes, assistant. exactly, yeah. I choose you. But all of that, plus... I mean, it's just interesting how... Who he taunts and how, I think... 
mm. are quite interesting things. I will say as well, this comes back to the theory that people, f- the, the, the kind of strange factoid that people find pyramid head very attractive. Pyramid head? Mm. Pyramid head is from, yes, Silent Hill. Pyramid Head is a character from a fictional character from Silent Hill. Okay. Looks like this. Right. Yeah. Turns we'll put up a picture like on that. the gram for. Yeah. Uh, terrifying. Listeners. But there's a large subsection of and keeps people in cages like in like cases like this and they're all dead. He seems a lovely fellow. He's got a massive, horrible stick sword thing. Yep, and a pyramid-shaped head, hence the name. Yes. Huge sex symbol. Right. That is a very big and powerful man. Who can lift you up? Sure. And that's enough. And he's all sharp and angles. He's sharp. He's angles. He's got a kind of hot bod. Large he's wearing a skirt. Weapon. Yes. Yes. Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. Hey, do you know who's mostly in a robe throughout the whole film? Do you know who else is mostly in a robe no. throughout the whole film? The killer, the like psychopath in *Strangers on a Train*. Ah. Oh yes, there's something That's about a very, it. There's a very Doctor Griffin vibe to, the, to him as well. Yeah, very. And because you mentioned, as you say, James Whale, open homosexual. It was adapted for the screen. As far as I know, H.G. Uh, Wells was a, a notorious womanizer. Interesting. I think that's right. I'll double check that. But it was adapted for the screen by R.C. Sheriff, who is best known for Journey's End, the mm-hmm. play which I think is still on school English syllabus yeah. syllabi. And they worked together in England, I think, before he came to Hollywood, uh, James Whale and R.C. Sheriff. Mm-hmm. Uh, R.C. Sheriff was also a homosexual, most likely, although very possibly a celibate and closeted one. Interesting. In contrast to the open and out The out James and partnered, Whale. long-term partnered and accepted by the community, yeah, James Whale. But it also means that the the guy doing the adaptation as well as the director, neither of them have any particular interest in women. <laughs> yeah, but and it's, I mean, this isn't me just saying that you can't, like, gay people can't depict straight relationships well. No. It's definitely saying that there's some very tasty queer undertones to this villain in the same way that there are with all the Disney villains where sure. you just make them gay if it's going to be evil make it gay yeah. and I think subconsciously even that's yeah. how it's translated well it's Ian McKellen in one of the documentaries who points up the camp sensibilities yes all of it yeah. of course, um, Ian McKellen played James Whale in Gods and Monsters in the 90s as a film about his life yes um, and very good casting actually if you've, if you've tried really to really if you're trying to imagine what James Whale looks like and you don't know and you haven't Googled it, think of a young Ian McKellen. Yeah, be, definitely. Be there. It's a very good point. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's urbane. You know, he's... Yes, very, yeah. very, very. And, yeah. I put that he sees he seems to see himself as a vengeful trickster god. And it's something mm. that I noticed a few times, certainly with the, the bike-stealing baby-turning scene. Yes. But... Also, he really, really feels like maybe this is an influence of Watchmen. Oh, yeah. Because he really gives me Rorschach vibes. He's got the bandages. He's got the kind of, (laughs) this is what you want, isn't it? This kind of disdain Mm -hmm. for stupidity as he sees it, even if he's not very, you know, even if he's not the brightest or the sharpest tool, like does stupid stuff like kill coppers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he he says, you know, in his little sort of manifesto to yes, yeah. his invisible partner here 
you know, he says we'll kill some important people and some unimportant people just so that people know we don't discriminate. Yes. And we we know that Alan Moore, who wrote Watchmen, has an affinity for this stuff because he also wrote League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yeah, of <laughs> course he, he did. He's Duh. not to be blamed for the film, no. but he's certainly, like, Victorian adventure fiction is very much his bag and his jam. I must read that. So there's an element there. The, the League. Yeah. That's the, the, the comic books are extraordinary. Yeah. The first few no, I haven't kept up with. The film was so really. awful, but yes. Yeah. I also said it's interesting that they conflate madness and evil mm. Uh, mm. in these films a lot. I think it's the dawning of being able to plead insanity in court and having mm-hmm. that televised by the press. Right. So it would be in the public. You know, so the thir- 20s and 30s... Um, is an extremely, extremely loud time for true crime. Extremely. We have all sorts of the wrong laws with the press. And they start making stuff up. They start planting evidence. They're doing Mm. all sorts just to get a case and get a story. More than just what you see in Chicago. (laughs) The musical. (laughs) That documentary. Yeah. I mean, things like the Black Dahlia. Oh, Mm. just so amazing that the lengths people would go to. And the investigative powers that the press had. There's a reason that there's these plucky reporter films. Yeah, They really could just go anywhere and walk through any crime scene. So people had a really good knowledge of of getting away with things pleading insanity. (laughs) So, of course, you would go, this guy's done a load of crimes. He can't just be like intrinsically evil he's definitely mad mad well i think it's important that he's a science man of science as well right which is usually yeah exactly in sort of opposition to the madness and that's why i think you know and he's able to do both and you see glimpses of the sort of rational man of science before he's overwhelmed by the sort of yeah, very Joker-like. Of course, the Joker hasn't been invented yet. Because <laughs> yeah. Batman hasn't been invented when this is made. No, I know. It's so strange. Strange thing to think, isn't yes, it? Yes. I put poor Renfield. Poor, you know, non-consensual Renfield. <laughs> sitting there listening to all this like, yeah, our reign of terror. Okay. Yes, yes. You know? Super lovely. Great, yeah. <laughs> and one of the things he said I'm going to talk about now sorry, is where the line I've written down from Griffin is, the drugs I took seem to light up my brain. Oh, when he's talking about after he's injected himself with the thing. And he, and oh, he, yes, he says he injects it under the skin, the uh, stuff he made. And this is where he gets starts to get the ideas of megalomania, the great powers Ooh, that he, okay. he has. But he says, the drugs I took seem to light up my brain. And I've said it's a parable and allegory about the dangers of going fully off your good. But then we discussed this, and I, re- yes. I think I'm going to modify that to... It's an allegory for not being sure about what you're taking... If you're going fully off your good, because he, yes. he doesn't, he doesn't deliberately. Well, we, the film th- suggests anyway that he yeah. wasn't aware of the. No, they explicitly say he probably didn't know about this one random study in Germany, where monocaine monocaine definitely made a dog crazy. Yeah, he knows about the one where it sucks color. It's a really good ingredient for this. If it didn't make you cray cray. Yeah. And so, if he'd known about those effects, he might have been able to do a counter. Yeah, but I suppose that what I mean is that he didn't deliberately set out to make himself loopy. Yeah. 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 I love the little, just as a side thing, I love the little no rain rule because it shows up on his skin. That's really nice. This is the sort of thing I mean yeah. when I say I love that they thought about this. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're, you're right, just to bring up the sort of slightly homoerotic thing is so that yeah. him to you need to clean my feet you at need all to times. clean my feet at all times even the dirt under my fingernails there's something really more than it is intimate isn't it yes yes yeah. exactly more than doctor about it 
I said the special effects are just mind-blowing, and I've said in a mirror at night. So they've managed to film in the dark, which is already hard at this mm-hmm. point, and have a reflection, and have him taking his bandages off yeah. and looking invisible. It's just so... It blows my mind. <laughs> Radio time at the orphanage. Go. Oh. <laughs> well, one of the things that's happening in the back... Because in the background of all of this is the police attempting yes. to get to the bottom of all of this and then and then, and then to sort of to stop him and we go from a news report that the invisible man interrupts at at Kemp's place yes where they say i think the news report there is a bunch of people have there's some sort of weird mass hysteria where they think there's an invisible man yeah and then our next sort of news radio report is like there's an invisible man on the loose and yeah. he's going and we uh, see all the places that this message is being heard yeah, we interrupt like... this like dance band program <laughs> to tell you about an invisible lunatic who's going around and they show like a hospital and like some workers maybe some cabbies listening to it and then they just show all these kids that were gathered gathered around a radio clearly in an orphanage just being like yeah. <gasps> I don't know why I found that so funny. It's such a... I mean, I, I know it's meant to be like, the horror, the children know, but there was something... But yes, no, there is something that's definitely cut in a way as well that is incongruous because it doesn't... Yeah. It's not like a sequence of people, you know, because I get we get all different walks of light yeah. listening to the radio, yeah. but certainly cutting in what seemed to be like, yeah, orphanage children is deliberately jarring. I yeah, think. yeah. Kemp finally uses the phone. <laughs> But he doesn't know anything. Yes, that's the that's one of the joys of this, is that the invisible man's invisible. It's like you, yeah. you don't if you're dubbing him in, you might be standing right next to you, yep. just you know Every sharpening time. a shoelace ready to garrote you. <laughs> Maybe um, he speaks to somebody in a phone box. It might be Flora, um, and there's a beautiful Typhoo poster behind her, like an original oh. Typhoo poster. It's absolutely stunning. Oh, Have a I look. I missed that. All right. <laughs> I'm going to put Bloody Flora the Wet Weekend. <laughs> she spends a lot of time crying. Um, can I ask if you have, like, you've managed to lock yourself in a room away from the killer, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's definitely going to kill you. Yeah. You've dobbed him in. Yeah. And he's like, open the door. Would you? Would you unlock the door? Well... I did think about this at the time, right. and what I wondered was, he still, like, if if he don't, won't let him in, the invisible man instantly knows that something's up, but if he can bluff him and say, mm. oh, I, I was just, you know, I was just frightened, I just came down for a glass of library water, some telephone yeah, water, yeah. then he might not, but whereas if you say, like, absolutely not, pal, you, you've made an enemy of him, but whereas if you can continue to bluff him, you might be all right until the cops get there. Oh, good point. That would, but... But it did cross my mind as well. It's just a it's just a thought. No, I really think I would keep the window I would keep the door locked, try and get out the window. Right. And then hide. You know? Yeah. Even put my footsteps out and about <laughs> sure. because it was snowy and then just end them at a hedge and be like the end like I'm I'm out. <laughs> I've got fl- f- wet weekend Flora and her daddy to come and touch you now. I don't I hate yeah. this. The meds made him forget Flora is a really nice detail. His oh, madness, yes. and then he's like, "Oh yeah, her." And oh, he changes nuts. his whole yes and personality. I love it. That and 
And again, it's all Claude Rains. It's Claude Rains yeah. doing great work here because their relationship is not really given any time to be developed. But you know, we'd never meet them when he's visible. No. But she's head over heels for him. Yeah. He's just very nurturing of her. He's very kindly. He tries. He's like it's kind of sad that he forgot her. Yeah. But he does treat her like a pet dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's a condescending man. I feel like the yeah. madness just sort of amplifies a lot of his it. yes, yeah, his underlying personality traits. Yeah. yeah. Great hat on Flora, by the way. Lovely little <laughs> sort of semi pillbox number, like a little lovely felt thing. I do really appreciate the gothic romance backdrop and positioning and all this kind of thirties um, art new uh, art deco looking. You know, you could draw them as a window display and it would be fine. Mm. They're symmetrical when they sit. It's very pretty. Very Again, high camp. And with the flowers behind, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I love my note is, like, don't tell Drippy Flora Jack is invisible. Uh, Jack is invisible. Say again? Don't tell Drippy Flora Jack is invisible. No, this seems like just no. a very bad idea when they're discussing it because they're saying, oh, only you and I know that it's him. You know, this invisible man that everyone's looking yeah, for on the, brilliant. on the radio. Yes, there's something really nice about that gothic romance backdrop, but with him all bandaged as well. Like, it's really mm. horror, you know, gothic horror in the yeah, best way. Yeah, he could be... Well, because he says earlier, you know, I'm I, had ter- accident, did, yeah. terribly, I had an accident, I'm terribly disfigured, which is sort of true, <laughs> but also, <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, you know, like so there is an element... That's the sort of tragic hero side of him, although, again, I love the way he goes from devoted suitor to sort of ranting megalomaniac in. yeah but then he has this kind of he's sort of distraught you know he's got he's rocking in place yeah. he's looking distraught but without a face like it's really yeah. impressive he does a lot of holding his head I as know, well with that hair yeah the kind of bits of hair that are from a weird like very strange <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> there's a weird burlesque oh yes he's looking all distraught and strange and then i said there's a weird burlesque routine in here somewhere i don't know how you would do it <laughs> but the idea of doing a strip tease and then stripping bandages off yourself is really tempting you have to be the problem is you have to be invisible underneath it and that's difficult to do no i just think you could do it i think right. you could do it if you were entirely painted black and you did your uh. whole routine in front of a... Oh, but like they did it here, black against kind of, black but live. kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you could be in a Zentai suit. Yeah. And in front of a very black screen, get your lighting right. Yeah. And then take your clothes off and your <laughs> face off and then yeah. all of your bandages off. Yeah, your off. glasses and your nose. I just yeah. think that would be incredible. <laughs> it's a really good thing if you're not comfy with your body as well. <laughs> The gay police will get him, that's for sure. This <laughs> well, is the police holding hands and scouring the earth. Yeah. At some point, the police beat the frozen earth with sticks as if that's going to help you yeah, find I an know, invisible man. There's no sense that the couples are like, in any way competent. Because earlier on, they've decided to hold an inquiry in the pub. Because <laughs> right? the chief yeah. of police gets there and he's like, what the hell's going on? I'm going to get to the bottom of this right now. Get me some tables and get me some of these idiots in to talk about it. And the invisible man comes in because he needs to pinch his... Yeah. He needs to get his... Papers, yeah. Because he's written everything he's done is written down in his and left somewhere like a good secret keeper. Left at the inn, and he just he murders a policeman with like no compunction whatsoever. Like it never. Does he drop a chair on him or something? It's something a table. It's heavy. And he never, you know, even when he's having all these heart to hearts with Flora. And saying, you know, I did it for you, I want to be the greatest scientist, and I, yeah. I, I will get back to you, darling. He never says, like, he never sort of stops and goes, Oh, oh I, God, I have I've killed a lot of people, Killed though. a copper. Doesn't bother him in the slightest, he's delighted, he has a lovely time doing it. 
I love this. So I said Kemp has cracked. <laughs> Kemp's completely cracked at this point, And he's got the threat of, I'm going to kill you at 10pm tomorrow from Griffin, from the Invisible Man, who's like, no, I really am going to kill you tomorrow at 10 Bye, Kemp. Yeah, I trusted you. Trusted we, we were you. Be it turned your... out you were a little coward and not my lovely boyfriend. <laughs> uh, who's going to wash my feet now? Go <laughs> F yourself. <laughs> the Invisible Man can drive and crash model steam trains. <laughs> I oh, yeah. love that bit. He just derails a train. And then sends everyone like plunging to their death. For it's sheer so devilry. Like there isn't like a strategic reason no. for that. He just wants to create chaos and death and yep. fear. Yep. Yeah. That whole bit where Oh yes, and chucking people off a cliff. Oh yeah, yeah. A Just couple. like you can go, you, yeah. you need to keep him company as well. Yeah, well Chuck them off. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, sort of work. murderous glee with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, laughing. Well, that scene where he pinches the policeman's trousers. I think this might be around about here, where we see the copper like <laughs> yes. swinging round and round as he pinches the trousers Amazing. off him. And that, that I don't, I haven't quite worked that out. He no. must be, he must be suspended somewhere. But I it, there's no obvious. I have a suspicion that they have removed a pole. And that he is a stunt, he is a circus performer or something right, yeah. that is able to spin. Right. Because it's on an axis. Okay, yes, so yeah, he's... It could a, just be a suspension, yeah. but... But I, it doesn't, doesn't look like it. No. And his... If it was suspension, his clothes would hang, and they don't hang, they, don't, they yeah. swing. So I think he's I think he's turning around a pole. Right. Glass pole or something. Yeah, like, yeah. glass would be something, good. Something like that. It sounds very dangerous. But, yeah. I mean, they but the don't care, that, do they? The fact <laughs> that we point. are speculating on how they did the effects in this sort of 90-year-old movie is... Um, yeah. Now, really interesting thing here is that the Invisible Man robs a bank. He takes a big old tray of money out. He's humming to himself as he does it. Very Joker style again. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, Heath Ledger's Joker style. It's kind yeah. of dun 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 Takes it outside. And then he shouts, Money, 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 money. <laughs> which is the beginning of that song in Cabaret. So it is. Really similar. Yeah. Just curious. <laughs> Flora has beautiful house shoes, everybody. That's literally what she brings to the table house shoes <laughs> and a fainting couch. Well, what I was going to say about the money thing, yeah, just to go back to that, if I may, mm-hmm. is that it's interesting that he could use his invisibility to get sort of stonking rich. Admittedly, you would see like piles of cash walking out of the room but he does that with the the bank yeah. and he just sort of throws it around and gives it to everybody just yeah. yelling out like a well like the madman that he is a present from the invisible man yeah. it just underlines that his criminality has no he doesn't have a master plan in view where he's going to steal like the biggest diamond in the world no he's just a, just a madman I absolutely can't get past the idea that he just despises humanity. That thing with, like, a gift from the Invisible Man and the laughing should have the line with it, you'll take anything, you pigs. You know, it's this kind of... It's the disdain again. It's like, look at this... You just take it. You don't care where it comes from. You know, he needed a secondary bit of character that they couldn't have done in 1933, (laughs) which is that actually society disgusts him and he wants it different and can't change it and mm-hmm. that we've watched a little bit and and that does seem to come late with later versions of the invisible man but sure. this one hints at it in his behavior but is never explicit it's another one of the sort of latent perhaps gay 
themes oh, really? to this, I okay. think. Well, because is it James Baldwin pinches the uh, the title of The Invisible Man for his book about being black in America and, oh. being un- and not being seen. Ooh. Is it Baldwin? No, Ralph Ellison. And the, the idea that of the Invisible Man as this outsider yes. to society. It's the, it's the which is, queer character thing again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not developed here. One of the reasons is it's a 71-minute running time yeah. in this thing, you know, and, and it's it's there with a very specific purpose, which is to show off these great special effects and to, yeah. and Claude Rain's voice, and it does it all very, and very well. to have fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is tremendous fun. Yeah. But there's, there's, this stuff is definitely going on there if you look for it and if you... Yeah, yeah. interesting. They, I said this plan is weird. So they have <laughs> the police come up with this plan. It's to stop the invisible man from getting to Kemp at ten p.m. They're like, I tell you what, we'll sweep this room with a net, make sure he's not here, and then we'll have a chat about the plan. I mean, he literally could have just walked behind the policeman that had the net, but that's fine. Yes. Um, they they definitely should have done it once forwards, once backwards. Yeah. Because that literally would have solved that problem. Yeah. He couldn't have got around the net. They would have got him when they went backwards. But whatever. They made a plan. And the plan was to put a small amount of earth on top of... (laughs) A small layer of earth on top of the um, wall around the house and then basically barricade this guy in the house, yeah? Yeah, well, it's the cop shop, I think. They take him to the... I think it's the police station that they barricade. Oh, yes, and then they, they dress him up as a policeman in the hope that they can disguise him as one of them... And then they surround bur- yeah. themselves they, in they nets. bring him into the the cop shop at around half nine because yeah. it's ten o'clock. The whole plan as well like hinges upon the fact that Kemp has been told he's going to be murdered at ten o'clock. So, like, <laughs> so well, he's definitely going to stick to ten. He'll have to be Gentleman's around it. honor. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and 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 of course he will try and break into the police station to do it. But yeah, so the idea is that they'll see him. Go, they'll see where he comes over the wall because they'll dislodge the yeah. earth, and then they can shoot him with the paint guns. Yes. That they've got so that he shows up. And again, you know, that, that's a good idea. That's a good kind idea. Of. Exactly, yeah, but they. Forget who they're dealing uh, with. Yeah, and I think he just sort of walks in because they also have to open the gate to bring in Kemp yeah. to the to the cop shop. And of course, the invisible man can just go in behind them because yeah. they don't shut the door immediately. And they, no. Um, they can't, it's massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, it shows they're thinking about it. It, it shows, does. shows the filmmakers are thinking about it. I actually, the one thing not. I really liked was there's a very small moment where Kemp is saying, just lock me away. Lock me in the prison. He can't get me there. Yeah, and that would have... That would have done it. As long as he wasn't in the cell with you already kind of thing, you yeah, know? Yeah, but he'd already... Like, he, he, we knew he was alone at that point. Yeah. Because we find out shortly afterwards, after this plan has completely obviously gone awry, that the Invisible Man was with Kemp when he changed into a police uniform. He just followed hey, him all the way along. he watched him naked again. He That's watched a good him change. Point. That's a good mm. point. Well made. Yes, it's the only time the sort of voyeuristic possibilities of the invisible yeah. nature of the invisible man are really sort of alluded to because there's always this idea i think there was a this american life about it that like oh, yeah. when you when you get to choose like what it tell what it says about you as a person when you offer the choice the metaphorical choice you know the mm. hypothetical choice that's the one between flying and invisibility and the idea that oh, flying yes. is for like the extroverts and the yeah. people who like are really confident and excited, and like, and the invisibility is for so funny. I would always pick invisibility. Introverts, right? Yeah. And, and perverts and voyeurs and <laughs> crouching masturbators, but Me. the people who are secretive in nature, yeah. right? Uh, whereas the flying is is for it's for the glory, the yes. glory, and the it cool might be because you want a nice view. Well, a nice view of 
you can have a nice view with either of them depending on what you like to look at i don't think he can <laughs> i don't think it's ever a really nice view you ever seen somebody naked who doesn't know you're looking at them naked no i'm not falling there for this <laughs> <laughs> but i mean when people are not conscious of their body like a partner or something just getting yeah. ready in the half dark Fair early enough. morning i just feel like it's just not as pleasant as a nice countryside view being seen from above no that's yeah you make a very good <laughs> make a very good point but you know, who, well, who am i to say maybe some of us uh, never mind, that's a different trauma. So, um, <laughs> here's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. So, the reason that we get this revealed is because we have a lovely invisible murder of Kemp. Now, this is a fantastic that's sequence. That's incredible. It's a lovely idea as well that he think he gets he gets to ten o'clock. He's in his car because he's been rushed through the police station yeah. at the back, back to his own car for some reason. Totally fine, makes sense. Mm. And then bombing off down the country lanes. And then going, his plan is to get as far away from possible as possible from anyone yeah. that knows him. And and it's a good plan. Kind of. He should have just done it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely, yeah. While Invisible Man was having a moment with Flora, he could have been like, "Way, I'm off." I'm off. Exactly. Anything. I'm just going to go. I'm not going to tell anyone where I'm going so no exactly. one can overhear me. Exactly. I'm just going yeah, to I'm go. Just gonna go. So he basically <laughs> ties him to the steering wheel of a car, of his car. Yeah. Takes the handbrake off, rolls him down a hill into a ravine. Where he explodes. Where the car immediately catches fire and explodes with a small scream from the guy inside. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. But there's there's real like sadism in his Well, yeah, because he narrates it all first. When he's already tied Kemp to it, he's like, I knew, I always knew you were a coward, Yeah, is the kind of thing. But it turns out you're also a rat. So... Yeah, and he's, and he's a bit disgusted because Kemp is sort of begging for his life. So I'll yeah. Do I'll do anything you he's tell like, me to. Yeah, it's like, you're brilliant. weak as anything. You'll do anything. In that case, just sit there. And die, you know? Yeah, yeah. it is real sick. Mm. How does he not have a chill yet, I wrote. And immediately he And said immediately that. he sneezed. I was like, oh, yeah. there you go. They've thought of everything. <laughs> one of the um, one of the copper's line readings is a bit off. <laughs> I'm just going to point this out here. I've said that the acting is not incredible. bad. It is incredible. It's I mean... also in an American accent, which I found absolutely confusing. <laughs> no. I can't remember what the line is. I didn't write it down. Me neither. But, but it's he rubbish. just he just reads it as if like it's been put in front of his face and he's never seen it. I before. will say before all this, I didn't mention it, but that poor cat that they paint. Oh yeah. I yeah. hate. Anyway, <laughs> theatre actor finds Invisible Man. I said he's creeping about like the Judder Man from the old Smirnoff. Oh wow! Yes. And then <laughs> sees that there's some hay breathing in his barn, and goes to immediately somehow immediately get to the police yeah <laughs> not sure what the distance is like saying excuse me sir there's breathing in my barn in which case let's just burn it down say, yes this, this man might be lying let's burn his barn down the, say, ain't no crime to be something alive in your barn and breathing but they instantly decide that it's, the it's invisible definitely man. him definitely i mean they're right but it still doesn't, doesn't matter make sense. they've also burnt this guy's barn down yeah. like whether it's him or not like yeah <laughs> They didn't actually kill the guy by burning him. They killed him by shooting him. Yeah. So like. Well, they shot him in the lungs, and he died in hospital sometime later. Hard, you know. Ugh. Burn it down then, just in case. I've put. Yeah. The the fire that they lit took that policeman's eyebrows. I'm pretty sure that was a real <laughs> flame to the face he took there. Probably was. I mean, the safety protocols on this on set. In the 1930s, not a thing. Didn't exist. And also, you're still coming off the back of like circus performers that used to dive 
to their death. You know, like <laughs> these people are fine. You know, yeah, they're yeah. they're still hardcore, and they'll do anything because there's no there's no money, and they want to be actors. You know, actors are royalty. The movement in the store is beautiful. I wondered if it was stop motion. Could be, but it does look very smooth. Like it's I mean, it, yeah, yes. yes, it could be. Could be extremely good stop motion. But no, but... if it's stop motion, I just realised they would have to move every single blade of straw. So it's probably not that. But yeah, you could frame, they, frame it. You but could, it's... but it's yeah, yeah, it, unlikely. Yeah, but it, it's not just that the straw moves. You get the real sense of like there's a person a, and it... a man shaped. Oh, that's yeah. so weird. I don't quite know how they did it. No. Yeah, amazing. And then these incredible footsteps in the snow, which were what. A footstep-shaped bit of wood oh, with no. a rigging above it. Yeah. Just but, being dropped from a height. But the thing is, and again, that, that is sort of stop motion. Yeah. But, like, it's put in the shot with the fire in the background oh, and the fire incredible. doesn't jerk about. And it's, no. it's a small thing. But And I only noticed it looking at it again. Yeah. Because obviously you would if they, every time, every time yeah, a footstep of the fire jerked. And it doesn't. So it no. must be a plate shot that's put it in later. Be, yeah. yeah. But it just adds... It's just that extra layer of complexity, and in yeah. the same way that, like, when the Invisible Man goes behind furniture and stuff, just because they could, yeah. you know, it's it's the special effects team really stretching themselves, and it's a joy. It really yeah, is. and then when he he is shot by the policeman who just shoots him, yeah. sod it, <laughs> he falls to the floor, and obviously we don't see him; we just see the the kind of beaten down snow where he lands Trump of the snow, yeah. and then we have romance with an invisible man in bed um, <laughs> which I should have titled differently um, <laughs> that was one of the later 70s films oh no I've put romance with an empty bed that's right. nicer, oh, romance that's nice. with an empty bed lesson learned, God is best blah blah blah, so we have this moment where he's like about to die He'll di- we, we are told by Dr Exposition that <laughs> as he dies the serum will wear off so. for some reason yeah. Who knows why? That's how the human body works in 1933. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't matter. It's extremely narratively satisfying. It is. And Flora's back to weeping. I don't think she ever stops weeping. She must have been <laughs> absolutely dehydrated by the end of filming. Um. And they're having a really nice romantic moment where he's like, oh, "I just kind of wish I could have done better. I shouldn't have taken that stuff. Turns out, you shouldn't mess with nature. Blah blah blah." Yeah. And then he dies and returns, and it's perfect because he returns in stages. So we get to see his skeleton and his muscle forms, and then his face in 1933. It's lovely. It's really nicely done. And yeah, again, it's a small thing, mm. but like it would have been so easy just to fade him in or just to have him pop back as he breathed yeah. his last or something but we get this and I was thinking about the Kevin Bacon I think is it Paul Verhoeven directed it the Hollow is, Man? I forgot Hollow uh, um, Man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul Verhoeven and yeah for some reason in that he becomes sort of more visible as he gets more hurt you know, Yes. when we see him and also sort of gains super strength and it that looks awful <laughs> Have you seen it? I have seen it, yeah. 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 I haven't seen it for a while. I, don't, might, might Me, look I worse think it's now. probably aged like milk, yeah. Yeah. But the fact that, like, this 30s scene yeah. put me in mind of something from a 1998 yeah. or there, was it 98? Late 90s, anyway. Something like that, yeah. Um, you know, is is telling, I think. It's really, really yeah. nicely done. Very, very nice. Yeah. I think that there's a couple of nice bits in there, as in... James Whale, the director, was disappointed that the ending of his Frankenstein was changed to a happy one. 
And so, kind of. I mean, yeah. It, well, happier. Yeah. You know, he was he a, a character was allowed to live that James Whale wanted killed off. Yeah. And in this one, he gets to kill everybody off, like just every, except Flora. Yes. Everyone's dead. You know, like all your main boys. Yeah, and and I do feel as well, uh, like this sort of deathbed conversion thing so is to sort of slightly redeem the hero of your oh, film. Oh yeah, you for sure. Some you know, if it's like my only regret is that I didn't kill, kill more. more policemen. <laughs> yeah, I I should have I should have spied on you more. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like no, no, it doesn't work. He has to have some like you know, even if it's sort of slightly unconvincing because you know he was a he raving did definitely want to kill everyone and maniac. still does. Yeah, and he, and, he, and, he, and also he's not on his deathbed going. I shouldn't have killed. I shouldn't have tried to kill that baby. No, exactly. He doesn't do that no. at all. <laughs> He's just like, mm, I did this wrong. I, yes, this was a mistake. <laughs> Next time, I'll add less monocaine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, there was something yeah. else I was going to say about the director there. What was it? Oh, yes. The, actually, um, hearing his daughter talk about the way that that f- scene was filmed was really sweet and sad because he was gassed in the war. Oh, Claude this is um, yeah, Claude Rains' daughter. Claude yeah. Rains' daughter, yes. Um, talking about Claude Rains describing how he, he had to have a plaster cast of his face made. Just the sheer post-traumatic stress triggers yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah, you wouldn't. Yes, they wouldn't have thought about it as that now. But... And yeah, he was saying he was very frightened, and I think that's. It's such a serene scene, and I know it's just a cast of his face, so he's not having mm-hmm. it done then and there. Yeah, but, it, but also, he's in but makeup, he, and also because they're casting his face, right? His face has to be like at rest, otherwise the cast is going to be of him pulling a horrible grimace, which it isn't. No, because he's, he's still got facial muscles, oh, you know. That awful. has to be, yeah, has to be calm. And he had like straws up his nose. It must have just absolutely triggered everything. Yeah, in him. For a, it's and it's for an extremely short um yeah shot for a little well. fade yeah. yeah yeah but it works and it oh, helps it and it makes it wonderful there you go it's a cracker i really i say watching it again uh for, th- for this mm. really enjoyed it yeah I, mean, um, yeah. yeah I was thrilled to find it i found it a fair few years ago uh i found a copy of it a dirty old copy of it somewhere <laughs> illegal dirty old copy. yeah and i really enjoyed it then it stuck bits of it stuck with me but not the same bits that stuck this time which mm. is interesting i was much more taken by all of the scenes in the pub and the pushing the man down the stairs <laughs> right. than i was this time because i wasn't expecting the violence from something in 1933 yeah no he's really psychotic yes. and it, that's what i that's funny that's what stuck with me this time ah. when i was thinking back from watching it whenever yeah years ago whenever it was that weirdly the the scene of the bicycle riding off on its own really stuck really stuck with me and i can't from watching it again now i couldn't tell you why yeah what it is about that i think it's just the sort of bravura like that that they thought that they could do it so they did yeah but it's also got vibes of the ghost train at blackpool sure you know like (laughs) there's something novelty ghost about it yes a bike riding itself yes and yeah. everyone watching it, you know, there'd be so it would be so distressing mm-hmm. to see a bike riding itself. Yeah, but as you point out, all of the sort of supporting characters, really, if yeah. you're like who aren't doctors, are, are just idiots. Yeah, but well, <laughs> no, but I mean seriously, a, a Real... haunted bike is much worse than a car driving itself because a car can go forward without anyone in it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, bikes yeah. should just fall over, but if you see a bike going the whole length with the of a road with the pedals going, it would spin you out. Yes. Literally. Yeah, yeah, it would. Anything else you want to add? 
I think I've covered just about everything. I usually, you know, like to finish by talking about what came after this, but but there's not that many. The Invisible Man, not that many. It turns out there were a few sequels in the 30s and yeah, 40s. Loads. And as I say, almost every Invisible Man since here have had a bit analogous to the unwrapping yes. scene, which is so well done here. Yeah. A little while ago I watched, there's a Japanese Invisible Man film. Um, from when? From the late 40s. Nice. Which is, I think, called The Invisible Man Returns. Weird, because um, there's also The Invisible Man Returns in Western cinema. I know, but you, you expect it to be a, a sequel, but it isn't. Um, you know. But Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and, of course, The Hollow Man that we talked about. You know, so yeah. They remade this last year or yes, so. Yes, yeah, and much it. darker. But, um, Even darker, yeah. But this, this design, if you'd like, of Invisible Man... Is it's it's very much still around? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I out of the sequels that we were alerted to, I'm very excited to see the Invisible Woman. That looks like a waste of time. Oh yeah, it? yeah. We might well get well. I'm, I'm going to try and get hold of that. Yes. Um. So we might well end up covering it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose it's, I'm circling back to the the nudity thing. I'm thinking yes, about yeah. Topper, where you have a lot of invisible yeah. nudity as well. And yeah, being yeah. Sort of. A bit of it's a cheap. It's literally a cheap laugh, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's a cheap laugh that isn't really used in this film, but would definitely be used in The Invisible Woman. Absolutely, yes, yeah. yeah. But it's really interesting what you Probably were talking to about. Shame the men. Sort of slightly homoerotic. Yeah. Well, more than slightly homoerotic elements to. Yes. The fact that he spends a lot of the film in the altogether. Yes. Yeah. We're also not going to see that. Uh, we're also looking at the idea that, again, queer is other, mm-hmm. and that so often baddies have the queer over, under or over, or just tones. Yeah. But that these films are all about the baddies. Yeah. And he's yeah. the only one. I mean, he has the love interest, but he's the only one where his drive is not the love interest. Frankenstein. Yeah. Right, well, Frankenstein's monster wants a bride. Yeah, but Frankenstein and Dracula are not human either, or you know, no, or not, I mean, partly human. Yeah, but, but like, they're not. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, or or made Wolf from human. Yeah, so, yeah. Whereas this chap is a scientist who's blundered. Yeah, but he's, he's fully human. Interesting. And that uh, sets him apart from the others. We did have a discussion about whether this was a monster flick. Yes. Because in some ways, it's more of a science fiction film than a horror film. It's certainly haunted enough because it's a. It's a it's a creepy idea. It's a yeah. you know the the idea of becoming invisible and all that that entails is a horrifying idea. I think, or, or certainly treated as such yeah. here in places. But in in a lot of ways, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't quite fit the creature, the sort of monster. The yeah, he doesn't quite fit the monster template in no, some ways. Totally. Although his behaviour is monstrous. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. If uh, if you've got this far and you haven't watched it, seek it out. <laughs> we've um, definitely ruined we've, it. Well, yes, but there is a, still a joy in in seeing it all done well as it is here. I think. Yeah. I would hope. Yeah. Right. I think that's us. That's, I'm happy with that. Mm, thank you so much for joining. And thank you to our listeners all over the world. I do keep an eye on the stats, mm. and I see people popping up in. All sorts of what seem unlikely places for so nice. us sitting here in our haunted cinema up in 
in Scotland. Yes, yeah. do so, get do get in touch if you're enjoying things as well. We have email is probably the best way to get hold of us. That's hauntedpicturepalace at gmail dot com. But there's all sorts of places to do it. If you're an Instagram fan, we have haunted underscore picture underscore palace. If you're a tweeter, you tweeter. We have <laughs> HPP <Be nice>. pod. <laughs> I mean, that's about it, but that's plenty, that's isn't it? That's a lot. Yes. That's many ways to get in touch. Many, and if many. you know us, message us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice to hear from you, as long as it's nice. Um, we are journeying t- to the 50s, 1954 Creature from the Black Lagoon next time. So tune in for that. You can watch that all over the place, I'd imagine, Probably. online. Yes, it'll yes. be it'll be out there, I'm sure. Plus, it's Halloween, so it's yeah. that kind of thing exactly. is everywhere. Exactly, it'll, it'll, it'll be there. <laughs> I guess this is goodbye. Oh, don't, bye, everyone. Don't have nightmares. <laughs> bye. Oh, bye. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's for our uh, American listeners. There, it's nearly, it's nearly Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and I am a professional. Well, it's usually considered a trade, but uh, I am a <laughs> bookseller for rather than a profession. Right. I'm a bookseller for money, and I was away for several days this week, last week. So we didn't get that out then. Yes, I I do tell people you're an antique book dealer, so if you could. Yes go with that yeah well i was gonna say professional but i realize it's not a profession oh isn't it i think it's a trade okay i don't think that's a bad thing anyway that's gonna get cut